Now twelve years old, Mark had imagined his abandonment so often that his memory of it seemed real. The frosty platform, his anxious mother kissing his cheek before boarding a train and disappearing forever, her eyes moist and her head crammed with secrets as the carriages steamed into the night. In his fantasies, Mark saw a statue being erected on the platform some day. Mark Guigouard, fighter ace, Le Mans race winner, hero of France. But his life so far could hardly have been less exciting. He'd grown up in a decrepit farmhouse a few kilometres north of Beauvais, its cracked walls and shriveled beams constantly threatened by the destructive power of a hundred orphan boys. The region's farms, chateau and forests were attractive to Parisians who came out for a Sunday drive, but it was hell to Mark, and the windows into more exciting lives he got through the radio and magazines tormented him. His days were all the same, the squirming mass of orphans rising to the crack of a walking stick on a metal radiator, school till lunchtime, then an afternoon toiling on a nearby farm. It was brutal work, but the men who were supposed to do it had been called up to fight the Germans. Morel's farm was the largest in the area, and Mark was the youngest of four boys who worked there. Mr Thomas, the orphanage director, took advantage of the shortage of labour and received a good price for the boys' work. But the lads saw none of the money, and any suggestion that they should was met with a stern expression and a lecture on how much each of them had already cost in food and clothing. A long history of run-ins with Director Thomas had earned Mark the least pleasant job on the farm. Most of Morel's land produced wheat and vegetables, but the farmer kept a dozen dairy cows in a shed whilst their calves were raised for veal under an adjacent canopy. Morel had no land for pasture, so his cattle lived on fodder and only glimpsed daylight when they were led to a neighbouring farm for a romp with Henri the bull. While his fellow orphans tended fields, Mark clambered amidst the tightly packed stalls, scrubbing out the milking shed. An adult cow produces 120 litres of faeces and urine each day and takes no account of holidays or weekends. Seven days a week Mark found himself in the vile-smelling shed, scraping manure down a sloped floor into the slurry pit. When the trampled straw and muck was cleared, he had to hose the concrete and replenish each stall with bales of hay and vegetable waste. Twice a week came the worst job of all, shoveling out the slurry pit and wheeling the stinking barrels to a barn where they would rot down before being used as fertiliser. Jaime Morel was also twelve and had known Mark since their first day at school. Mark was a handsome boy, with tangled blonde hair, and Jaya had always liked him. But as the daughter of the area's wealthiest farmer, she wasn't expected to mix with boys who came to school with bare feet. At age nine, she'd moved from the village school to an all-girls academy in Beauvais, and had almost forgotten Mark, until it began working on her father's farm a few months earlier. At first the pair only nodded and smiled, but since the weather had turned fine, they'd managed a few conversations while sitting together in the grass, and occasionally Jaya would share a bar of chocolate. They both sought a deeper connection, but their talk centred on local gossip and reminiscences from the days when they'd shared a classroom. Jaya always approached the cow shed as if she was taking a stroll and couldn't care less, but she often doubled back or hid in the long grass before standing up and pretending to bump into Mark by accident as he came outside. The process was strangely exciting, even though they'd never exchanged more than words and chocolate. On this particular Wednesday, Jaya was surprised to see Mark emerge from the side door of the cow shed, bare-chested and in a vile temper. He lashed out with his rubber boot, sending a metal bucket clattering across the farmyard before he grabbed another and put it under the tap mounted on the shed's exterior. Intrigued by Mark's fury, Jaya hunkered down and leaned against the trunk of an elm. She watched as Mark wriggled out of his filthy boots, then glanced around furtively before removing his undershorts, trousers and the socks into which they were tucked. Jaya had never seen a boy naked, and clapped a hand over her mouth as Mark stepped up onto a large paving slab and grabbed a block of soap. Mark cupped his hands and dipped them into the bucket, splashing water on himself before working the soap. The water was cold, and even though the sun was hot, he moved hurriedly. When it was lathered all over, he raised the bucket high into the air and drained the water over his head. 
Soap burned his eyes as he reached out for a grotty towel wrapped over a wooden post. You've got a big ass! Shai shouted as she sprang out of the grass. Mark urgently flicked the damp hair off his face and was stunned to see Jai's brown eyes and sweet smile. He dropped the towel and lunged towards a pair of corduroy trousers. Jesus! He choked as the usually simple task of stepping into trousers became a frantic bout of hopping. How long have you been there? Long enough, Jai grinned, pointing at a wooden screen lying flat on the pathway. I don't usually bother pulling it up. You're never around till later. No school, Jai explained. Some of the teachers have left. The boss are on the march. Mark nodded as he buttoned his trousers and lobbed his work boots into the shed. Did you hear the artillery shells earlier? Made me jump, Jai replied. And the German planes. One of our maids said there were fires in town near the marketplace.